We're picking up right where we left off last Wednesday evening. And the past month or so, on Wednesday evening, is in faith and prayer, we've been launching out of Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. And we've been learning that part of having a victorious prayer life requires that we know who we are in Christ, that we take our place in Christ, and we pray and we exercise our authority accordingly. Amen. Colossians 1 and verse 12, we find out that we have been qualified because of what Christ did on our behalf. Verses 13 and 14, we find out that we have been rescued from the dominion of darkness. And so the challenge for us is to take our place and to walk in the victory that belongs to us. And we ought to have a victorious prayer life. We ought to have a successful prayer life. Jesus said we would ask and receive and our joy would be complete. And so we ought to have testimonies this year. We ought to have answers to prayer this year. We ought to be able to say, well, the Lord's done this and the Lord's done that and this miracle has happened and that provision came in above and beyond. We ought to have victories to tell. You know, it always threw me when in seminary we'd have prayer and testimony time and in that denominational world, a student would say, I, I have a praise and I, you know, just, you know, sometimes as Christians we can say things and outsiders don't know what we're talking about and I grew up in church and they'd say, I have a praise and I had no idea what that meant and then they would proceed to rehearse some negative thing and give God the credit for some negative thing. Well, to me, that's not a praise. That is a prayer request. And then step number two is to ask the Lord to do something about that situation. Amen? We're to have a victorious prayer life. And we ought to have testimonies. We ought to have victories. We ought to have answers to prayer. Remember several years ago when Pastor was first led of the Lord to again go back to Oral Roberts' book, the miracle of seed faith, pastor began keeping a list of answers to prayer and miracles. And it's good to do because, you know, you might be discouraged by this or that or face this or that challenge. You can look at that list, whether you keep it on your phone or keep it in your Bible. You can look at that list and encourage yourself in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're to walk in victory. And he gives us the victory, amen? 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, but thanks be to God who always, he always, not, not, not some of the time, he always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now to the, the saved and those that believe and will believe, when they hear the gospel, they believe, that's a fragrant smell, Amen. But to the reprobate, to the wicked, it is a stench. You know, Sunday we were in Romans chapter 1, and there are those that have so headed down a road of perversion and wickedness, when they're around us, it's not the sweet fragrance of the things of God. They, they hate God, they hate those who live for God, they hate His Word. So we're, we're to have a victorious prayer life. And our Christian life, our Christian walk, it is to be a victorious walk. We left off last Wednesday evening dealing with how we're to do 
the works of Jesus. And people try to explain that away. They try to explain that in natural terms. You know, they might say like something like, well, Jesus didn't have Facebook Live, and we have Facebook Live. When Jesus talked about us doing his works, he was talking about the supernatural works of God. Amen. People being saved, people being set free, people being healed, people being delivered, lives being changed for the better. And so we, we can't explain that away. We can't try and rationalize that away. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 18, Jesus came to them and said, All authority, exousia, and heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we're to make disciples, teaching them to obey. And in doing that, we're to do the works that he did. And you'll hear people say things like, you know, amongst religious denominational people, they'll say things like, well, you know, it was only the 12 that did those things. Well, they haven't read the Gospels. They haven't read the book of Acts. They haven't read their New Testament. There were the 12, but you get to the book of Acts, you find out Judas, who betrayed Jesus and took his own life, he was replaced with Matthias. So 12 plus 1 equals 13. Thank you. So it wasn't just the 12. And then we saw last Wednesday evening that he, he delegated his authority to the 72. And I'm about to give you an example that before he gave his life, before the coming of the Holy Spirit, there, there is a clear reference in the Gospels to someone else besides the 12, besides the 72, doing the works that Jesus did. And you go into the book of Acts. You had Paul. He wasn't one of the 12. You have Barnabas, you have Apollos, and then when they faced their first challenge in the early church, which was a dispute amongst the widows, they selected seven young men full of the Holy Spirit, and they did the works that Jesus did. And so in our lives, as we go about living our lives, we're to represent Jesus. We're his hands and feet, and we're to do the works that he did. After the service last Wednesday evening, a man shared with me that he's been doing that in the life of a co-worker. He has a co-worker, and she is facing a terrible challenge with a young son. And he's too young to be facing a physical challenge like that. And so this man in the church, that as he has the opportunity, he's sowing the good seed of the word. Well, this is how you pray. You don't get a bunch of people praying on Facebook. This is how you pray and stand in faith according to the word of God. And then I recommended some nice, short books that he could give to be a blessing, amen. You can't make anybody read something. You can't make anybody listen to something. But we can make things available if people want to take action, amen, and believe God and learn how to believe God. You know, in the cafe, they have some short, little, tiny, mini books. I don't know if that's the right name, you know, Kenneth Hagin, Sr. has one, Healing Belongs to Us. Takes someone 10, 15 minutes to read. But that's a powerful little book. T.L. Osborne has a little tiny one, 100 Divine Healing Facts. That's a good little one. Typically, when Jessica and I find out, whether it's here at church or out and about meeting people, we find out someone's facing a serious, serious challenge in their body. One of the books we often give away is Dodie Osteen's book, Healed of 
cancer. So we're to do the works Jesus did as we have the opportunity. To pray with people, to encourage people, as we said last Wednesday evening, to drive Satan out. But you got to give up religious thinking. Well, that was just for them. That was just for the 12. Or that was just for the 12 plus maybe Paul. You got to give up that thinking. Or, th well, that was just the first century. And man, when we rolled into the second century, that was the end of it. And there's plenty of evidence in the early church, second century, third century, fourth century, even into the seventh and eighth centuries of the gifts and operations of the Spirit being in manifestation. Things like divine healing, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So it truly is what Jesus said, Matthew 9, 29, according to your faith, will it be done unto you. And so if you believe that you can pray with people and see God move in their life, their bodies, their circumstances, then he'll move. You know, speaking of seminary, one of the doctoral classes, I, I was just surprised, didn't expect it. It was actually one of my favorite classes, favorite professors. But there was a day where he just was talking to us. And again, in that denominational world, he said that we as pastors have a divine duty to pray for the sick and those in need. And I, I was just not prepared to hear that in class that day, wasn't expecting it. And he took us to James chapter 5. And he coached those young men, coached us. You have a divine duty to pray for the sick and those in need. And leave the results in the hands of God, but you have a divine duty to do what James 5 says, to anoint them with oil, to pray the prayer of faith. And so, again, he in that denominational world saw, this is what the Bible says do. This is what James 5 says do. So we have certain divine duties and responsibilities. We see in Luke 10, beginning in verse 17, the 72 would turn with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So they were excited. Jesus' response is, that's no big deal. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority, exousia, to trample on sakes and scorpions. That, that's every demonic power. You know, we're here in the fall. Get a few more weeks out, get closer to October, Hollywood will start rolling out the, the previews and the trailers for all the shows that are scary and demonic, all the movies that are scary and demonic. And, I, you know, after Sunday, you might think, man, he is, he is so old-fashioned. I am. You have to be careful what you watch and listen to. And, again, you know, there's nothing like a suspenseful Alfred Hitchcock movie, but some of this stuff, it is just absolutely demonic and it glorifies Satan and it glorifies evil and it glorifies wicked but we see Jesus said I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all say all all, all the power of the enemy and as we've learned authority trumps power every time we have the power of God and praise God for the power of God but we have something even greater which is divine authority in Christ. Now, as another example, look at Luke chapter 9. Luke 9, verse 49. Master, said John, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. So here's an example in the Gospels, not, not one of the 12, not one of the 72, 
but someone that had simply seen Jesus do these works and thought, well, I'm going to do it too, and doing the works in his name. And Jesus said, verse 50, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. So it truly is according to our faith. Now, that's what changed Till Osborne's life. He and Daisy had failed in the mission field in India. They were back in the States, and he got invited to a meeting where he saw a man preach and teach the Word of God, but then he saw the gifts of the Spirit in operation. He saw the sick being healed. And Till Osborne said to himself, well, if he can do it, I can do it. We're to, we're, to, we're to do the works that Jesus did. We're to do the works that Jesus did. And if you'll believe that you can, opportunities will present themselves in your daily life and in your work, in your dealings with people. And when you have those opportunities, you have to just step out in faith. And if you'll step out in faith, God will confirm his word. But you have to step out in faith. Because if you don't, is the Lord going to give you more opportunities? No, he's going to redirect those opportunities to somebody else that'll step out in faith and take action and believe him. John 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And again, people will try and explain that away or try and explain that in purely natural terms. Finest Dake explains verse 12 this way. The believer has equal power with Christ to do what he did as well as greater things if and when the occasion requires it. Luke 24, verse 49, Jesus told his disciples, stay, into the, stay in the city until you have been clothed, King James says, endued with power from on high. So, so we do these works with heaven backing us up. We do these works with the infilling and the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. We do the works of Jesus even greater, and we do those works by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the authority that Christ has delegated to us. Mark 16, verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So as you have those opportunities, and as you step out in faith, and as you take action in faith, God will confirm his word. He 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 will confirm his word. And if you really want to see the Lord confirm his word, be willing to step out in faith in those situations with people that don't know the Lord. Because he's going to confirm his word to show them that he's alive, that he's real, that his word is true. He's going to confirm his word. So in those opportunities, step out in faith. Tell him that he's a savior. Tell him that he's a forgiver. Tell him that he's a healer. Tell him that he's a blesser. Tell him that he's a deliverer. And tell him, we're going to pray, and you're going to see the situation change. Tell him you're going to pray, and you're going to see the, the victory come. You're going to see the answer come. You're going to see the healing come. You're going to see the breakthrough come. Amen. We're to do the works that he did. And in doing that, we're to destroy the devil's works. Mm -hmm. And his works are stealing, killing, and destroying. And we're, we're here in our, our faith bubble, you know, full of faith, full of love, 
you know, living life as normal for us, which is faith world, but out there people are hurting. People are suffering. People are, are lost. And people are really suffering because of all that's going on in this wicked world. So we're to do his works. And when we step out in faith, God confirms his word. The Lord working with them, confirming his word. See, we're, we're not asking the Lord to confirm our word. We're asking him to confirm his word. And so when you stand on his word and you say what his word says and you tell someone what his word says and you pray on the basis not of my word or your word, but you pray on the basis of his word, he's going to confirm his word. He's going to confirm his word. And then that leads people to faith in Christ. And that's what it's all about. Amen? And the pattern, as I pointed out last Wednesday evening, in the Gospels, the book of Acts, we see preaching and teaching the good news or the word. We see devils being cast out. We see the sick being healed. We then see in the book of Acts the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. We see the gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy. And so we're to do these works even greater. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, Paul deals with the gifts of the Spirit. And he tells us that these gifts are distributed to each one individually as he wills. And Paul gives guidelines for the use of these gifts. They're to be exercised with the motive of love. And everything is to be done decently and in order that the body of Christ might be built up and edified. And we, we waste too much time. Well, I, need, I need more of this. I need more of that. Yes, we're to eagerly desire the greater gifts, but at some point you got to get out past your comfort zone and just pray with people. You just got to get out past your comfort zone and tell them what the word says. Just got to get out past your comfort zone and say, we're going to pray in the name of Jesus and believe God for something great to happen. So, uh, you know, if you're at the gas station and you have an opportunity to talk to someone, to witness to someone, you don't have time to come back to 25 Wednesday evening services. You don't have time to, you know, to come to church faithfully every Sunday for a month. You just got to step out in faith and give our Heavenly Father an opportunity to confirm His Word. And He will, because it's His Word. It's His Word. It is His Word. And He will confirm His Word. So having a victorious prayer life, realize it requires that we act like who we are in Christ. And we step into the reality of who we are in Christ. We have his authority, but we have to walk in it. We have to exercise it. Jesus says to us, all authority has been given to me. Now go and use this ability. My spirit will teach you how to use the authority that has been delegated to you to use in my name. Now Jesus told him that. You know, we can pray, we can study, we can pr prepare as best we can. But sometimes we have to throw ourselves on the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told them that. He told them that they would be called before authorities. And he said, don't worry about what to say. He said, my spirit will give you what to say. And we think of great sermons in the New Testament. We have Peter's recorded by Luke from the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. We have part of Paul's sermon in Athens. But one of the spectacular sermons we have recorded is the sermon that, 
that Stephen preached before the religious council. And uh, he, he didn't have notes. He didn't go prepared with index cards. He didn't have a teleprompter like some of our uh, political leaders. You know, look at the back and get some help. It's amazing. In person, in the moment. How? By the Holy Spirit. And so in our daily lives, we spend time in the Word. We spend time in prayer. We come to the house of the Lord to worship the Lord, to get built up, to get edified, to hear the Word, to, to grow, to develop our faith. And so you have, then you are out and about Monday or Thursday. You have an opportunity to pray, to encourage, to pray with someone. And you might think, well, I need more Word, or I need more prayer, or I need to listen to this series, or I need to listen to that series. No, you just got to step out in faith and be led by the Holy Spirit and give our Heavenly Father the opportunity to confirm his word, and he will. Jesus says to us, the Holy Spirit will bring my ability into your life through my word. My ability is now your ability. Now go and use this delegated authority. So he has delegated his authority to us, and we can use it, we can exercise it, but we have to step out in faith and just do it. And you might say, well, what if I fail? If that happened, you wouldn't be failing. Father God would be failing to confirm his word. And he's not going to do that. He is going to confirm his word. So we have to walk in it. But the challenge is too many believers don't believe it. Or they don't know what the word says. Or they've listened to a negative minister who disparaged the word of God. Or who's rejected the word of God. You know, we consider ourselves to be non-denominational. We consider ourselves to be full gospel. Sometimes people get offended by that. Well, what does full gospel mean? You know, are, are you inferring, Austin, that I'm half gospel or I'm a third gospel or am I like skim gospel or 2% gospel? What does full gospel mean? That we believe in all of it and we're for all of it and all of it belongs to us and we want to walk in all of it. The, the power of God is the word of God. The power of God is the Word of God. Now, I don't want to get off on a side trail. Now, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit as a child. I'm as charismatic full gospel as they come. But having grown up in this full gospel world, I have seen some weird things. <laughs> so without telling any stories this week, I'm just going to say I have seen some weird things. But I've never seen the Lord confirm weird things. Now listen. But when, for instance, as one example, my father and I had the opportunity to travel to Ukraine with T.L. Osborne. Nothing spooky. Nothing super spiritual. You know, there, were, there was no flag dancing or weird stuff going on. And he didn't have any like weird warm-up rituals for those meetings. You know, he was older by that point. He would simply stand there and preach Jesus as Savior, Jesus as Healer, and then he would say outrageous things like, now, if what I have told you is true, God is going to heal the sick tonight. No, like, super-duper long prayers, 
Now, if we can just all get in a circle and pray, none of that. Just a simple presentation of who Jesus is, of what he has done, and now God is going to confirm his word. And then boom, like popcorn. Not laying hands on anybody, not touching anybody, and the most spectacular, astounding miracles. See, I think sometimes as full gospel people here in the United States of America, we, we just get it in our minds, man, if we, if we can get, gather together and have an exciting enough time, God might confirm his word. But what, what does he confirm? Does he confirm emotionalism? Does he confirm fleshly things? He confirms his word. He confirms his word. He confirms his word. And so somebody comes to you and they tell you about some terrible physical situation. And tell them, I have an answer. I have, I have a solution. Let me tell you about Jesus. And he paid the price so that you or your loved one or your friend can be healed in their body. And so we're going to pray that they would be healed and that they would come to know the Lord. See, there's nothing uh, dramatic don't have to break out a flag. Don't have to break out a shofar. He confirms his word. He confirms his word. He confirms his word. And see, we, we get in our mindset, well, man, if I had just prayed an extra hour this morning, he confirms his word. He confirms his word. He confirms his word. And he confirms his word whether you prayed five minutes or 30 minutes or an hour that day. He confirms his word word you know maybe you know we're, we're getting back in the swing of things in school I'm excited that we're a week and a half in and I have not forgotten anything or anyone <laughs> at any drop off although one day I did forget my stuff you know, I had all the kids and had their stuff I didn't have my stuff you know last year we get here and get all the bags out of the car and Michaela would say daddy you forgot this and you forgot that and I would say I did not forget that you forgot that. You forgot your cheer back. See, we were in the busyness of life, the busyness of family, in the busyness of work, you could have these opportunities and moments where you don't feel so spiritual. But God doesn't confirm how we feel. He confirms his word. And we don't walk by how we feel. We don't walk by our feelings. We don't walk by emotionalism. We walk by faith, which is by his word. And that's what he confirms. The Lord working with them, confirming his word. That's what he confirms. And the power of God is in the power of his word. And in your life, the higher that you esteem the word of God, the more answers to prayer you'll receive. The higher you esteem the word of God, the more answers to prayer you will receive. The higher you esteem his word, the more miracles you will receive if and when you need them. You know, it's sad the way in which biblical illiteracy is increasing. You know, in America's pulpits, there's less word, so God's people know less word. And as a society, our, our society is becoming illiterate. You know, we think because we have Google and Wikipedia that we don't need to read anything anymore. And so, you know, people don't read, they don't remember. You know, they just think, I'm going to Google it. But you can't trust what you see on Google. You can't trust what you see on Wikipedia. 
You know, they're, they're redefining the, the, what the meaning, the word recession means. We're literally living in uh, Animal Farm <laughs> in 1984. It's not an uh, allegory anymore. It is reality. And there's a lack of an understanding and a real appreciation for the price that Christian men and women paid so that we would have the Bible and so that we would have it in our languages. We take it for granted. You go to Hobby Lobby to buy knickknacks. When you check out at Hobby Lobby, you can buy a Bible. There are parts of the world where people can't have a Bible. There are parts of the world where if someone is caught with the Bible, that is a capital punishment offense. Men and women laid down their lives so that we would have God's word, so that we would be able to read it. And he confirms his word, and the power is in his word. Now, Protestants don't have really that positive of a view of Jerome's Vulgate, which is a translation of the Bible into Latin, but he, he gave his life for that. He gave year after year after year of his life for that. Then later, William Tyndale translated the Bible into English. He, he was so hated and despised by the Roman Catholic Church that after he died, after he died, after he was buried, they had his body dug up, they had his bones burned, and they had the ashes scattered. Some of the early Protestants in England, they had, they had little copies of the New Testament that they would hide in their clothes and hide in their pockets and hide, hide in their coats because if they were caught with it, it they would be imprisonment, possibly, possibly death. People died so that we might have the scriptures. And one of the benefits of Martin Luther fearing for his life and people around him fearing for his life from the Roman Catholic Church, the German prince, the area that he was from, he had... Some people take Luther to one of his castles. Didn't tell him which one, so he wouldn't know. He could deny he knew where Martin Luther was. So Martin Luther wasn't really in prison, per se. He was under house arrest. But it was in that time that he was able to translate the Bible into German. First the New Testament, then the, the Old Testament. People gave their lives so that we could have the Scriptures. People gave their lives so that we could read the Scriptures in our own languages. And so we have to have a great value for the Word of God, a great appreciation for the Word of God, a great reverence for the Word of God. And the power is in the Word. And the higher you esteem the Word of God, the more answers to prayer you'll receive. The higher you esteem the Word of God, the more miracles you'll receive if and when you need them. And again, what does God confirm? His word, not, not our theories, not our opinions. Well, Austin, you know what happened in the life of so-and-so. We, we don't know everything that went on in the life of so-and-so. We don't know what so-and-so believed or didn't believe. We, we don't know what was going on in the life of so-and-so that the Lord moved on their heart to deal with. You know, with the Holy Week revival this year and the, the time on prayer. I see it now in James 5, like I, I've never seen it before that yes we do our part we anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith but if the person has sinned they will be forgiven see see you you do your part 
But the flip side is the Lord could be dealing with them about things that need to be dealt with and repented of and removed from their life. He confirms his word. We're to have faith in God. And the way we have faith in God is by having faith in his word. The way we have faith in God is by having faith in his word. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, my son, pay, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Not let them out of your heart, out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. They are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In Philippians 2, in verse 16, Paul calls God's word the word of life. John 15, 7, we've been there many times in this series. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. So we're to have faith in his word. And when we have faith in his word, that manifests, that shows up in our words and our actions. And that's why our confession and our taking action are critical to receiving from God. If we believe him and we believe his word, we're going to pray accordingly. We're going to confess accordingly. We're going to take action accordingly. Our heavenly father knows that we have faith in his word by what we do. He knows that we have faith in his word by what we say and by what we do. By what we say and by what we do. And what does he confirm? His word. And that's why when we deal with prayer and praying successfully and getting the answer and getting the victory, we pray on the basis of the word. We pray the word. We pray on the basis of the word. It's why we're always saying, find two or three scriptures that cover your situation. Well, Pastor Austin, I'm, I'm believing God for this or I'm believing God for that. What scriptures are you standing on? And there's no excuse because we have all this technology. We have Google, right? You, you can Google and get some verses. We have all this software. I mean, it, it is amazing what the technology that we have. And when my father was on seminary, he had to use a, a typewriter to work on his doctoral dissertation. I don't think I'd be done if I had to use a typewriter. Amen. <laughs> we, ha we have all this technology available to us. There's no excuses. We have the word of God at our fingertips. You, have the, you download the Bible app, have the word of God on your iPhone, but do you take advantage of that? Listen to the word of God. Do you take advantage of that? So we are to have faith in his word and he confirms the word. Now, how do we grow and develop our own faith? We do that by hearing the word and by doing the word. Our heavenly father knows that we have faith by what we say, by what we confess, and by what we do, by the action we take. And we grow and develop our faith by hearing the word and by being a doer of the word. And as we've been learning, we're to develop our own faith and we're to have confidence in our faith. And we're to come to the place where we can stand on 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence. See, we're to have confidence in God, confidence in his word, and confidence in who we are in Christ. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done on our behalf. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, we could say according to his word, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, 
We know that we have what we have asked of him. See, when people get into the great big show or all the emotionalism or things like prayer chains, or let, let's see if we can get a thousand people on Facebook praying. The implication is if you don't cross those certain thresholds, nothing is going to happen. But God doesn't confirm any of that. What he confirms is his word. And so that's how you can have confidence. Not in yourself, not in your own achievements. You can have confidence in his word. And confidence in what Christ has done on your behalf. And confidence in who you are in Christ. And that's how you can pray in confidence. That's how you can talk to and pray with a coworker in confidence. Or someone you might run into at the grocery store or gas station. When ministers, I've mentioned seminary. When ministers go to Bible school or seminary, they learn about the Bible. They learn theology and church history. They learn how to study and preach the Bible. But they don't necessarily learn faith. They have to learn faith for themselves. And many don't, and that's why ministers can be so negative. Faith is not a product of the mind. Faith is not a product of reason. Faith is not a product of the intellect. Faith is not a product of what we can see, taste, touch, hear, smell. Faith is born of the recreated human spirit. Faith and love spring forth from the spirit of a man or woman who has been born again. Until you're saved, until you're born again, until you receive eternal life, you can't be a faith man or a faith woman. You can't be a man or woman full of the agape love of God. But we, we believe upon the Lord. We come to faith in Christ. We're born again. The real you is born again. And your spirit produces, gives birth to faith and the love of God. Our Heavenly Father is a faith God. And to walk with Him and to receive from Him, you're going to have to learn how to walk by faith. And as pastors saying all the time, we, we need to learn how to believe God for ourselves. Praise God for when we can pray with you. Praise God for when we have times where we do pray with you here in a service as led by the Holy Spirit. Pray, pray, praise God for times when we can pray the prayer of agreement. But you need to know how to believe God for yourself. You need to know how to believe God for your own family and your children. You need to know how to believe God for, for others. Our Heavenly Father is a faith God. But we've got to learn how to walk by faith, which means we've got to learn how to walk by the word and put our faith and confidence, not in all these other things, these distractions, but to put our faith and our confidence in the word. His nature, our heavenly father's nature is faith and love and faith and love go hand in hand. That's why Paul wrote in Galatians 5 and verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love, the agape love of God. And the agape love of God demands faith. Yeah, that, that's my launching point for last Sunday and this Sunday. If, if I love God, if I love my family, if I love my wife, if I love my children, then I'm going to lead my family, I'm going to parent my children, I'm going to do things the way the Bible says. Not because it's popular. Not because it always feels good. But because... The Bible says. And again, you, you head down that road. Well, the Bible says. What does he confirm? What does he bless? 
His Word. See, when we do things our way, we are totally on our own. But when we do things His way, He'll confirm His Word. He'll back it up every time. Faith and love go hand in hand. And that's why you can't walk by faith if you're not walking in love. And a lot of times people might be trying to believe God or learn how to walk by faith, but if you have that love element missing, it's not going to work. When you walk in agape love, your heart will desire to do things you cannot do in the natural, and you'll need faith. Agape love gives birth to faith. And if you have no love in your heart, you have no need of faith. This is why sometimes, as an example, when we teach on the blessing of the Lord, we'll say things like, it's selfish for a believer to not want to learn how to prosper. Why? So you can be a blessing to your family. So you can be a blessing to your children. So you can be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And if you haven't realized at work, there are people that are lost. There are people that are sick. There are people that are suffering. So it's selfish to not want to learn how faith works. It's selfish to not want to learn how to pray with the sick. It's selfish to not want to learn how and to become skilled at edifying and encouraging and exhorting. Why? Because there are people who are lost. And who, who's going to, how are they going to hear if we don't have the courage to say something? So, so love drives us. And love and faith go hand in hand. And when you're born again, when, when you've believed upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior and your spirit, the real you is born again. Birth is given to many wonderful things. Faith and the agape love of God. Paul explained it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, have not agape love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, have not agape love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, you know, even at that point, there were believers giving their lives and facing martyrdom. If I give all I possess to the, to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, have not agape love, I gain nothing. So faith and love go hand in hand. Why do we step out in faith? Why do we encourage others? Why do we pray with others? Because we're not just full of the faith of God, we're full of the love of God. Doing impossible things requires faith. Agape love for God and for people and for our families and those in need, those who are lost. Agape love motivates us to do impossible things. A man or woman full of agape love desires to learn how faith works. Whereas those without love, they, they, they don't care about learning how faith works because it's just about them and it's just about their wants and their needs. And it doesn't matter how long they've been saved, they're the baby Christian. They want all the pastor's time. The first time they showed up, the second time they showed up, and the last time they showed up. And you don't see them until there's another emergency. But see, in their lives, it's all, it's all selfish because it's all about them. 
See, we ought to want to learn how to walk in the blessing of the Lord. Why? So we can be a blessing. We ought to learn how faith works, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of our families, for the sake of our children, for the sake of others. And love, the agape love of God should drive us in that. That love only comes from Father God. When we're born again, his divine nature gives birth to agape love within us, and it gives birth to faith within us. That's why Paul says that we each have a measure of faith. And how do we build or develop our faith? Well, in with this, how do we build or develop our faith? We feed on the word of God. I don't typically eat before I speak. I'll eat after, which I know at 40 years old is not a good thing. <laughs> we all eat physically, yes? If you haven't, you'll eat before you go, like me, before you go to sleep tonight. So none of us, I think, look physically malnourished this evening, but are we spiritually malnourished? You know, in our full gospel world, a great man of God used mightily of God when the Lord called him into ministry, he, he saw in the spirit, God gave him a vision of God's people and that they look like survivors from the Holocaust, spiritually, spiritually emaciated, weak, weak spiritually. See, none of us tonight look physically emaciated. We're in a blessed place. We're in a blessed place. I don't think anyone here tonight can relate to going without a meal. And if not, do something about it. Amen? But when was the last time we, we had supper and fed on the Word of God? See, we eat three meals a day. You know, talk about portion size. And my mom's mom would always say, you, know, you need to eat that need to finish that, and she'd tell us about how there were children who didn't have food. And uh, sometimes I would have some sarcastic thoughts, but again, the principle is an important lesson she was communicating with us as children, to be thankful, to be grateful, because there are children around the world and they go to bed without a meal. They go to bed without a meal that day. So we eat three meals a day, some of us eat more than three meals a day. Three meals, six snacks a day. Our children have like a morning snack, afternoon snack, snack before dinner, a snack after dinner. We'll eat dinner an hour later. What, what are we having for, we had dinner, it's over. <laughs> Next meal is breakfast tomorrow. So we feed ourselves physically, but do we feed ourselves spiritually? Do we feed and feast upon the word of God? Do we do as the Lord told Joshua, meditate on my word day and night? So how do we build or develop our faith? First, by feeding on the word of God. Second, by hearing the word. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. We would say it this way, by hearing and by hearing and by hearing and by hearing, not by having heard. And I, I see this so often. Someone will have a need, a challenge. They'll be in church more often. They'll, they might even come to 5 a.m. prayer. Or the, for the while we had prayer on Friday, and they might even come to Friday night prayer. So we all know that this is true. 
How do you get the answer? How do you get the breakthrough? How do you walk in victory? Faith comes by hearing the word of God. By hearing and by hearing and by hearing. The discipline is to live that life all the time, not just when there's a need. Not just when there's a particular thing that you're believing God for. So we build and develop our faith first by feeding on God's word, second by hearing God's word, and third by taking action on the word of God, doing as James says, to be a doer of the word. When believers neglect these three things, feeding on the word of God, hearing the word of God, and taking action, when believers neglect these three things, they become weak spiritually and they have weak faith. James 1 and verse 22 says, in the NIV, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. We all know Isaiah 119, if we're willing and obedient. So we're to feed on the word of God. We're to hear the word of God. We're to take action on the word of God. Deuteronomy 30 and verse 14 in the New King James says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Say, say that I may do it. Say, so we're to live it out. We're to live it out in every area of life. Verse 14 in the NIV says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. So you may obey it. Say, say that, say, so that I may obey it. So we're to feed on the word of God. We're to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing and by hearing. And we're to do what the word says. We're to obey the word of God. And you've heard pastors say, I heard it, I think, more often growing up. But he would say that they reached a time in their life where they decided that if they saw anything in the word of God, that the word of God said, don't do, they were doing, they would stop doing it. And if they saw anything in the word of God, the word of God said do, and they weren't doing it. They began doing it. And so they brought their lives in line with the word of God. Doesn't matter what the culture's doing. Doesn't matter what is currently popular in Christendom or in the world out there. We're gonna do what the word says. We're gonna obey the word of God. We're gonna obey the commands of God. We're gonna handle things, whether it's money or family or child raising, we're gonna handle things the way the word of God says. And let's end where we begin. When it comes to those in need, it comes to those lost, it comes to those suffering, where we're not gonna tell them platitudes about God. Well, you know, sometimes it's God's will to do this and sometimes it's God's will to do that. No, we're going to do what the word says do. We're going to destroy the works of the devil. We're going to do the works of Jesus. We're going to step out in faith and not put ourselves at risk. We're going to step out in faith and let our heavenly father confirm not our word, but his word. And he will. And then as the Bible tells us, as Paul tells us, then all the praise, all the credit, all the glory goes to him. Amen.